she's an American board certified OBGYN. She's the CEO of Jobs.Mom, where women, we're moms, we're Muslims, and we're talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm Dr. Sada Flody. And I'm Sabine Mirza. This episode is about everything you need to know about the third trimester of your pregnancy. And before we get into it, the first thing we want to share with you is that this is not medical advice. So if you're having any medical issues, please seek help with your medical provider. Yep. And it's also not religious advice. So if you have any questions about your religion, please ask your friendly neighborhood religious leader. It's the Muslim Sex Podcast because we just happen to be two Muslim women who are talking about sex. So the third trimester, Sadaf. Shall we get into it? Yeah, let's. So in the third trimester, right, this is the last um, This is the last stretch. So when do you as an OB uh, consider a woman entering the third trimester? What week is that? Yeah, so that's usually around um, 27 weeks, and that is the third trimester. And, um, and we start seeing you every two weeks afterwards. And then at um, 36 weeks, we start seeing you every week. And um, at the visits, we do the same thing where we check blood pressure, we'll be um, checking the urine, and um, we'll be checking the urine for, you know, either um, ketones in the urine or glucose or protein, any of those things we'll be checking. And of course, if a woman's complaining of UTI symptoms, we'll be checking for that as well. Yeah. I always say that the third trimester is the trimester of complaints, right? I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't poop. I just need to pee. I can't move. I can't do this. I'm just miserable. I'm uncomfortable. I'm tired. Um, What are some things um, that a woman in her third trimester can experience, especially as she starts to get really physically heavy and approaching the end of her pregnancy? Sure. So, you know, a lot of times women will, one of the biggest complaints that we get in the third trimester is cramping, right? Women will start to have those Braxton Hicks. Now, Braxton Hicks uh, contractions are those contractions or cramping that do not cause the cervix to change, what we call as a false contraction. Um, However, if a woman starts to experience that, you know, it's so important to go in and be seen by her provider because it could be nothing, but it could be something. And that's why it's important. Um, And if that happens, then usually what the OB says is they will send you to labor and delivery and they'll have you placed on a monitor. And on that monitor, we take a listen to the baby's heartbeat, but we also take a look at the pattern of the contractions and whether or not they occur regularly or they're sporadic. And then uh, we will always check the cervix uh, digitally. And what we're doing is we are trying to see if the cervix is opening with those contractions. Yeah. And we check uh, dilation and uh, effacement and how high the baby is. Yes. What are you saying? So, So talk a little bit about, so I have here, you know, in some of my notes here, talk a little bit about, what is a Braxton Hicks contraction? Because it's a little different or feels a little bit different, but sometimes it could be hard to differentiate between that and a real contraction. Yeah, I don't really know if a person is able to tell the difference. I mean, the only reason that we know it's a Braxton Hicks 
versus a, a real contraction is to check the cervix. Um, and if, you know, the patient is having contractions and they're painful, then, you know, they're, those are painful contractions to her. Um, you know, the difference is, is whether one changes the cervix or not. And if it doesn't, then those are the false contractions. And if it is changing the cervix, where the cervix is starting to dilate from one and going to two or three centimeters, then we know that the patient is starting to go into preterm labor. And that that is the big distinction, is whether or not the contractions are causing the cervix to change. So there's a lot of old wives' tales about Braxton Hicks. You can tell they're Braxton Hicks at home, but you're saying there's no real way to tell except if you are actually looking at the cervix and seeing if it's dilating or not. Is that right? Well, uh, right. So we don't, we don't like look at the cervix. We check it digitally with our fingers. Yep. Right. So, you know, when a woman comes into labor and delivery, we'll um, check her vagina, you know, go through the vagina and feel for the cervix and feel how you know, open that cervixes. And that's what we call dilation is yeah. the opening. Um, so as you remember, the cervix is, you know, the end of the uterus. And so we check that cervix to see whether or not it's opening up to see if a woman is going to labor. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of preparation for labor, you know, all of the third trimester is really with the idea that at the end of this, you know, trimester, you know, the goal is to have the baby, right? And it's something that's usually, it's it's so funny. And, or at least for me, it was always kind of like, I was pregnant, but I forgot that the pregnancy was going to end and I was going to birth a child, right? Because you're pregnant for almost a year, right? So um, a lot of the third trimester is spent preparing for, or should be spent preparing for, for childbirth and preparing uh, to go into labor. But, um, you know, a lot of women need to understand, and this is something you talk about, and it would be great if you talked about it now, is understanding your delivery options, right? And when you might be indicated um, for any number of complications or reasons to have a cesarean section instead of attempting to deliver vaginally. And these are things that are going to be discussed in the third trimester with your provider. Sure, sure. So, you know, Sabine, there's... Um you know, patients definitely can have deliveries prior to, right, their third trimester if for some reason um, they get really sick or some medical emergency happens and they need to deliver uh, their fetus before um, the third trimester. But typically in the third trimester, you know, as they come in for their visits, like we stated before, you know, we'll be checking for the diabetes, we'll be checking for the blood pressure. And preeclampsia is typically one of the biggest reasons why patients may end up having to deliver early. And that's if they end up having severe uh, preeclampsia. And those symptoms would be, you know, high blood pressure, protein in the urine, but also uh, changes such as visual changes, headache, um, you know, if they start to experience some fluid in their um, lungs or any right upper quadrant pain, any of those things can be signs of severe preeclampsia. So that's very important to know um, and to understand. Or a persistent headache that is not resolved with uh, Tylenol. Um, that's also very important to let your um, OBGYN or your, you know, GY OB provider, it could be your midwife, um, also, in terms of you were talking about options, so, you know, really, we want all OBs always want their patients to have vaginal deliveries. I mean, that's kind of like our hope, um, because that is the safest mode of delivery for the mom. And, um, 
typically the least amount of complications happen with uh, normal vaginal delivery. Um, now, in terms of, you know, there are definitely reasons for cesarean sections. And uh, some of those reasons can be, and we touched upon it a little bit, was uh, placenta previa. And that's where the placenta covers the cervix and it doesn't move up in the pregnancy and uh, can result in some bleeding. And um, if that placenta previa stays that way throughout the whole pregnancy, then the patient will require a C-section at um, usually at about 37 weeks. Um, also, if you have a multiple gestation, so say you have twins or triplets, triplets are always delivered via C-section. I've never seen triplets vaginally delivered. Um, twins now, you can have vaginal deliveries. And I've actually delivered a few sets of twins vaginally myself in residency and as um, and also in private practice. Um, you know, it's definitely easiest when both of the twins are head down to deliver them vaginally. Uh, but sometimes if one is head down and the other one is breached, then, um, you know, you can, that's a discussion that you have with your OB provider and see whatever they're comfortable with, you know, in terms of delivering. Because sometimes what can happen is you can deliver the first one vaginally, but if the second one doesn't turn around uh, head down, then you may end up having to have a C-section for the second one. And a lot of times patients don't want to go through, you know, a vaginal delivery and then a C-section. So they may opt for a cesarean section altogether. Um, you know, another indication for a C-section is if you have a breech delivery, I mean, a breech baby, right? So if a baby's not head down, then, um, you know, sometimes what we'll do, and this is usually between 36 and 37 weeks, we will try to what's called vert the baby, which is try to turn the baby. And um, if it's breech, we'll try to turn it head down. <clears throat> and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, then you know the patient will end up having a C-section usually at 39 weeks. So those are some of the indications for cesarean sections. You know, typically it's malpresentation or it can be multiple gestation, or it can be if a woman has had a previous um, fibroid removal or where they had to enter the cavity of the uterus and she cannot labor, um, then, you know, that's another indication for a C-section. Also, other indications are previous multiple C-sections. You know, those can be indications. Um, sometimes in labor, though, right? In labor, if um, the fetal heart tones go down, then the patient may end up having an emergency C-section. Um, if there's something called a cord prolapse where the cord comes through the vagina, that is an emergency that results in an emergency C-section. It can also be where the patient has, um, you know, if their cervix is just not dilating, right? And they've been in labor for over 24 hours and they've been given Pitocin and their bag of water is broken and uh, they're laboring. And now it's been, it can be even 18 hours, 18 to 24 hours. And um, they end up having to have a C-section because there's failure to progress and their cervix is not dilating. Or after, let's say, six centimeters and their cervix, um, you know, they've been in labor for like six hours and their cervix has not changed from six to seven centimeters, you know, whatever. If they're just not dilating, that is an indication for a cesarean section. Also, if they're pushing, if they're fully dilated and they're pushing, but that head is not coming down into the pelvis, um, that's another indication for a C-section. So, you know, as OBs, we don't 
prefer C-sections at all, contrary to what some social media posts will tell you that, you know, OBs prefer C-sections. We don't. We prefer vaginal deliveries over anything. But when it's indicated and when it's needed, um, then we will go ahead and perform that cesarean section. Yeah. And I think it's it's important for women in their third trimester to understand, right, these options. And especially as you are in the uh, approaching the end of your third trimester, you know, um, you can go into labor early, right? You may also, in some cases, go over, right, Sadaf? So you may go into 40, 41 weeks and talk a little bit about what happens then. Right. So once a woman passes um, her due date, she's typically at 40 weeks. And so once she starts going past 40 weeks, then we call her post dates. And what happens then is we see her every week. Uh, Again, um, the most we'll let her go is, you know, 41 weeks and a few days. I mean, we don't like the pregnancy to go definitely not past 42 weeks because there's a higher risk of stillborns, Sabine. So we have to be very mindful of that. And so we will, you know, a lot of times patients don't want to be induced. They want to try to go into natural labor and we respect that. However, we don't want to endanger the life of the fetus. Um, And so, you know, we will continue to do ultrasounds to make sure that baby is breathing, moving. um, And, uh, you know, there's enough fluid inside of that uterus to make sure that the baby's okay. So we will monitor that baby twice a week. And we will schedule an induction, you know, um, to hopefully get that baby to deliver vaginally. Um, But it is important, you know, some of the signs of labor that we always tell moms to watch out for are uterine contractions that are long and strong and close together. So we do what's called the 511 rule, which is um, contractions every five minutes, lasting one minute for one hour. And that's important because especially for new moms that may not be sure, you know, when to go in and what do I look for? You know, those are in terms of contractions. That's what we usually tell them. We also tell them if their bag of water breaks, right, if they have a gush of fluid um, that is, you know, you're just continuously leaking fluid, um, then that's important for you to call your provider and to also go into the hospital and be evaluated. Now, sometimes, you know, it happens where a woman may, you know, urinate on herself when she coughs or something like that. And that's because that big uterus is pressing on that bladder and that pressure sometimes can cause leakage of the urine. But if you're not sure, you know, if it's leakage of urine or if it's um, your bag of water, the most important thing is to go and be evaluated because you want to make sure that your bag of water, you know, is or is not broken. And also lastly, um, actually two more things. One is to always make sure you're feeling your baby move. That is so, so important to be there have been times when patients have come in and they have not felt their baby move for like a few days. And then that baby ends up being a stillborn. So, so, so important that a mom feels fetal movement every single day, every day. And if she's not feeling movement, um, to go in and be evaluated by her provider, or if that, you know, if she's having decreased fetal movement, and um, she's just not sure why, you know, it's important to be evaluated. We would rather the mom come in and it be nothing than for her to think that she's bothering someone and then, you know, to have, God forbid, of a stillborn. Uh, it's so important. And the last, t- the last reason that I always tell patients to go in is if they start experiencing bleeding. 
you know, that's very important. If you're having bleeding and you're in the third trimester, or regardless of whatever trimester you're in, um, in pregnancy, you really should not be bleeding. So if you are bleeding, make sure you go and see your provider and get evaluated to figure out what the cause is and what needs to be done. Yeah, and I think that's that's important. And I think it's exactly what you've been echoing, you know, uh, as we've been taking, you know, this journey through all the trimesters, right? Keep an eye on your body. Do not be ashamed or embarrassed or scared um, to bother, quote unquote, your medical provider. They're there for you. And as, as Sadaf, you mentioned, you'd rather err on the side of caution than be faced with something that's really just unpleasant, unfortunate, like um, a stillborn or some other awful uh, pregnancy um, complication. Um, and I think having this knowledge is so important and really trusting your provider and following the medical guidance is absolutely critical uh, to successful outcomes um, for mother and and for baby, um, really. Um, so I think we're done here, Sadaf. It's been real and really intimate as we cover the third trimester. And as always, you know, if you have any questions at all regarding your health, uh, please speak with your medical provider. Yep. Until next time, it's This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.